Welcome to Campfire Coders. I'm your host, Jesse Leet. And I'm your other host, Austin Cameron. For another Hey. Hey. Dude. Jesse, you know, we haven't talked in a while, so Well, we talked. We talk enough. But we haven't yeah. We've both been hard at work on new projects, other things. Yeah. That's that's it. <laughs> we can we can <laughs> cut this out, remember. The magic of yeah. editing. Austin, I have to ask you. Okay. You <laughs> you've been making ramen broth. Oh, this is the question you're going to ask me. Okay. <laughs> yep. We're get, let's get into this serious technical question. Yeah. So tell me, you make ramen broth? Yes. I try. I mean, like the the pork broth. What's it called? Tonkotsu? Tonkotsu? I, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce this very, very well. I've been, so like katsu with it. How much do you know about this before I really? I actually don't know much. I, I, I remember going through a phase where I tried to make ramen um, at home, not using the instant packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew I knew nothing about it. I just fried a little bit of beef strips and and made some fancy noodles with packages that I couldn't read. I'll tell you, generally, if you try to make fancy ramen at home, it never turns out bad. That's one thing I love about it. It's really yeah. it's tough to mess that up. But I so I'll tell you a little story then. I suppose here, my a friend of mine went to Japan uh, separately, like. I went to Japan on my honeymoon and a friend of our friends of ours went to Japan as well as part of their travels on their honeymoon, different times, but they got home and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm making this. And they pronounce it Tankatsu. And I'm like, Oh, what is, what is that? You know, it's like, that's the ramen, but it turns out I'm just pronouncing it bad as an American. So I believe don't quote me on this people. And if you know, then, you can correct me, but I believe that K-A-T-S-U is meant like a pork cutlet, like a pork tenderloin. Mm. K-O-T-S-U is like the bowl of pork broth ramen. Right. So tonkatsu versus tonkotsu. Weird. Okay. So I try to make the latter, which is like you, you, have you ever tried this kind? Like eating, eating it everywhere? It's like the white pork broth. No, I don't think so. It's amazing, right? It's it sounds gross, okay? It sounds gross, but you basically boil like pork bones, usually feet, something with a lot of like cartilage in them, but or fat. And then it, the broth like emulsifies and it becomes this opaque white. And then you usually make like pork bellies traditional, but you can make other types of pork too. And then yeah, you got noodles and broth, but it's like fancy fatty pork broth. It's really good. Is this is this like a Japanese thing or is this, mm-hmm. I, I feel, I feel like my German grandma made something similar, like some sort of, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, well, I think a lot of older something. cultures probably have this like bone broth thing. Right. But yeah. well, sure. It's definitely a Japanese thing. Um, it's like, it's everywhere over there. This, I mean, it's like almost, I don't know if junk food's the right term. It seems healthier than that, but it's, yeah, it's everywhere over there. It's I think it's the most popular one. I don't again, I'm I am naive in this 
part of culture. So I just visited once and I loved it. And so I've tried to make it since. Yeah. And then I messed it up. I said, you can't mess it up. And it basically never turns out bad. But hmm. I got busy with work stuff the other day and uh, totally forgot to add water to the broth at a pivotal moment. And so it all boiled out. And then all of my hard work from letting it boil the prior six hours in the day went to waste. Yeah. So then I had to clean off all the burnt stuff and restart and it wasn't as good as normal. Oh, <laughs> Pretty, that sucks. It happens, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. God, it's the I first think, time. It's the first time yeah. that I've had one go bad. I think that's the moment where I entered because I was like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, shoot, I just wrecked my ramen. Yeah, I was pretty sad. I was in the moment. I mean, like, it's like I started that at like, you know, like 730 or eight in the morning. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to yeah. boil this for a long time. And. Yeah. And side note, related, unrelated, you have some pretty cool ramen keycaps. <laughs> yes. Yep. I have one on my keyboard right now. Uh, I tried to put another one on there, but then I broke the stem. I can show it to you on this call. Nice. Maybe I, I have, I don't know. This can be an episode link, I guess, if or a show note, if I actually ever posted pictures of them. Yeah. I think you showed me a few and I was guessing that you were going to do your whole home row with ramen bowls. <laughs> that would be fun. Actually, different ones or different types of ramen somehow. I can't really. Yeah, I'll have to post one of these now because and maybe that's why I made ramen in the first place because of the fact that I look down at my keyboard sometimes and then just get instantly hungry now. Yeah. It's the danger no of yeah. too many artisans keycaps that is. <clears throat> so natural segue into I think the obvious topic from Raman is artificial intelligence. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> For the listener out there, I've been uh, we've been teasing the idea of an AI episode to each other because Jesse's convinced that we have different viewpoints, and he's probably right. He's usually right. Um, but but yeah, natural segue. How do we start this yeah. whole topic? Um, well, I think firstly, I would say that whatever I say about AI, you can take with a grain of salt because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but it's an interesting topic because everybody's playing with it, you know, whether it's art or coding or whatever it is. Um, so there's some exciting stuff out there. Um, but yeah, how are you using AI? Well, I think if our listeners haven't figured out that they should take a grain of salt with what we both say, then they, then we should, uh, you know, they should reconsider their choices. But but really, how am I using it in my daily life? Yeah, are you? Let me ask you before I answer it: Are you using this at all? Like, are you using AI on a day to day basis at all? Not on day to day, but I have. I've I've played with. Yeah. Okay, I have started integrating it a fair amount more. I've been a co uh, a copilot GitHub copilot user for a long time. Uh, just enabled in VS Code, the best editor. And mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, whoa, did you just agree with me there? That's anyway, no, I've been using that for a long time. Uh, I recently then uh, I mean obviously every occasionally I'll ask a question to chat GPT or something, but then as far as using it day to day, I really ramped it up a week or two ago and started like really learning and using the cursor editor. Right. Have you? I think I sent you that. Yeah. So to, so 
yeah, you told me a little bit about it, but it's kind of, is it a fork technically, or is it not a fork of VS Code? Yes, it's basically a fork of VS Code. Like you can import all your VS Code settings and pretty much they all work. Um, And this is what led me to recently learn or led us to recently learn that VS Code Vim uh, isn't terrible if you fix one setting in it. And so that, what do you know? <laughs> using a fork of VS Code led me to getting better Vim skills now. <laughs> Are you still using <laughs> Cursor though? Yeah, so I'm still using Cursor just with that okay. other, the other extensions like they're, they have like a built-in Vim mode, but it just uses right. the VS Code Vim extension behind the scenes. Right. So I had to uninstall my usual Vim thing. And anyway, Cursor is really cool because you can like highlight a, a chunk of text and then press a hotkey and then tell it like how to change it. And it will just do that and show you a diff in line. And then you just hit command enter and it will like, if you want to accept that those changes. So yeah, that's cool. It I've been now I will say, <laughs> what about variants? Like what about variations? And you know, uh, like I'm thinking of um, in Photoshop, how there's the, Jack was showing me the generative fill stuff where mm. it gives you like three options or like even with, uh, is it copilot in VS code where you, you can like cycle. Oh yeah. And, yep. Yep. Right. Copilot does the results. like, yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off, but you're right. I think I cut you off. So sorry. Hey, <laughs> don't go too crazy. <laughs> okay. But no, I, I, the cool thing about it is that it, it's just like if you use it in VS Code, you're kind of doing this chat GPT back and forth, you know, trying to prompt it with comments. And there's none of that. Like you can select a whole file and say, mm-hmm. refactor this. But there are other features that I'm that, that are incredible in it too, right? Like you can open up with another hockey or what, you know, click a button, I guess, if you're a total caveman. But you can open up like a sidebar that's just chat GPT but it knows about your code base and then you can do things like at, you know, if you were in Slack or something, you can at mention or on Twitter, you can at mention somebody, you can at mention entire files in your current project. Like, and it'll, it'll come up with a little dialogue as you start typing that allows you to select and kind of auto completes that stuff. And so you can, it's like interacting with chat GPT, but specific to code and, it has all sorts of things, right? Like I hovered over an error today, like a little squiggly red line, you know, you got an error in the code base thing. Yeah. And granted, I'm working in this TypeScript project and I'm an idiot when it comes to TypeScript. Usually it's like a typing thing and I'm just like, oh, I only usually write JS. Um, but there, I hovered over the error and it popped up with like, oh, here's what the error is, like in a more like this detailed kind of stack tracy way. But then it had a little button that said, you know, use AI solution or something. And I click that and it pre-fills like a chat GPT prompt for you with that chunk of code and says like, you know, only concise code answers. And like it, you don't have to even then write the prompt, right? You just click a button (laughs) and it's telling you how to, and I've been using it to like explain code. It's, it's actually awesome. I mean, I'm not on like the pro plan or anything at the moment, but it's cursor is, it's just that they, it's like taking VS code and then, integrating AI into a bunch of the areas of your workflow. And yeah, I, I, there's, there's a key feature here that I am not using. 
and yet. And you can link, I think just a URL is how it works. You can link a URL to like say the docs for something, say the statomic docs or whatnot. If you're working on a statomic site, you can, if you give it that link, it will go like crawl and index the the docs. And then <laughs> you can ask those docs questions and like, it will know and have that docs context. <clears throat> Is it more it accurate than say just asking like chat GPT? So probably with it, if you give it the docs link. So I haven't used this particular feature yet, although I need to, to use it because the like TypeScript stuff I was, I've been working on is a, a Tauri project, the like electron right. alternative type of thing. It's using like the latest alpha version and they have docs there. They're not like super complete, but it I've noticed if you ask it anything, this goes for chat GPT or any any of those tools. If you ask them about like writing Tauri code, it's also new that it doesn't understand like it just doesn't have as much context of the code bases, I'm sure, that Copilot and the rest of them are trained on. So mm-hmm. if it the answers are bad. So that's where I want to use this docs feature. But I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Yeah, we gave, uh, I think when we were, you know, everybody's playing with chat GPT, we gave it um, prompts to see like, you know, what about installing Statomic? What what about installing a starter kit? What about... And how did that go? Like that? Yeah. And it was it was so confident and it was like yeah. 90% right, but it's just, just wrong enough that it would like totally not work for certain people depending on, on what you're asking it. Um, yes. I mean, I mean that's, every, it's still yeah. the same. I think the funny thing is just how confident it is when it's wrong at times. I'm thinking of ChatGPT specifically. Um, it's different when you're dealing with Copilot and um, you know what you're explaining with Cursor because you're looking through results and it's kind of asking you what the right thing is. Whereas when you ask ChatGPT a question and it phrases it in English back to you, Yes. So confident that it, yeah. it's there's like a bit yeah. of humor there because it's like you're talking to someone that right. is super confident about and but they're they may be wrong. <laughs> it's like that guy who's like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally encountered this thing before. I'm gonna repeat just what you said. And you know, I don't remember how we solved it though, but you could try this. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of saying you could try this, it'll be like, no, this is the answer. Yeah. So there still are, I will say it's not like I'm writing all my code with this like i'm still doing a lot of manual coding it's just certain little things like maybe i don't know how to do what was it i tried to like import asynchronously import the contents of like an svg file this morning right like i'm like trying to uh like imagine an icon component and you have a folder of svgs and you want to import the svg code in there so you can style them with tailwind and add other attributes Mm -hmm. programmatically and and I was like, well, I could go Google this or I could just highlight the whole file and be like, okay, now pull this SVG from an external file. And then I just did it. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. So it's great for some things, but just like those other tools, you kind of have to prompt it in the right way too. And it's not about like prompt design. It's, It's just about not like breaking down the problem enough. It comes down to that a lot of times. Right. Yep. So I- It's sort of like being good at Google. You know, right, right. It's, it's like, very similar. Yeah, you can get bad results out of Google with a bad search, or you can get good results with a good search. So, yeah. So, at first, my experience was like, well, this is pretty trash. It's 
thinks it's right more than it's actually right. And I should have just wrote the code anyway. But the more I've used it and gotten used to like how to kind of use it as a tool, it's like any tool, right? Like if no one teaches you how to use some complex tool, you're like kind of bumbling around for a little bit. But I've started to see the benefits a lot more now that I've used it for a bit. Like, yeah, I hear you. Particularly in the mentioning other files, like, like if, if you're like, oh, I want this component, but I want to use it this other way. And then you can just add that component and be like, how would I rewrite, you know, this at component to be able to be used in two different ways or, and it, it's like the problem with chat GPT, for instance, is you're prompting it and then you're like oh and you cut copy copy the code or yeah. click the copy code button and then it's you so got to sort out the yeah. problems but in this case yeah. you're supervising it and you can watch it like change the lines almost like it kind of displays it at streaming as it's thinking and going through all the lines so right. yeah and just that diff thing right because then it's like oh i just review what my little ai student did and we're yeah. moving on well we've come so far right <clears throat> with yeah. ai Okay, so I was listening to this. Um, was it Lex Friedman? I can't remember. I don't really follow Lex, but he there was a, a YouTube video someone had shared with me. And who was he interviewing? I can't remember now. They were talking about AI, and I guess Lex is uh, an MIT guy and yeah, he I, specialized in AI stuff. Okay, right. So he 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 made a really interesting point, which kind of stuck with me. And this was I don't know six months. 10 months ago or something talking about how if you like, if, if someone were to ask us like you or I or Lex, anybody about AI five years ago and say, um, what do you think AI will be capable of in five years when, if, and when it starts to take, take off. Right. And I mean, if you think about art and you think about things like all the art that's being done, personally i would have never been like no ai is going to make beautiful looking art i would have been like no that's something that requires a human touch that ai is not going to be able to make nice art but then you think about like all of the old uh you know you think of old 50s style retro aliens and robots and vacuums and like you know the servant robot in your home like the jetsons type thing like those 50 cartoon 50s cartoons I think those are 50s. Rosie, 50s. wasn't that the robot's name? Yeah. <laughs> and how I think everyone assumed eventually AI would be like servants in your home, you know, like the Roomba vacuum type thing. Mm-hmm. And w- the point that Lex Friedman had made in the podcast was, you know, even the AI experts, you know, from five, 10 years ago would have assumed that AI would take a lot more hold in like motor functions that sort of thing. Like you, mm. th- there's Boston Dynamics with those cool like robot dog things. Those things freak scary. me out, man. Yeah, yeah they're. <laughs> I mean, they're amazing. Like, I as yeah. as a generally curious uh, like being, those are amazing, yeah. and it's so cool to watch their videos over the years. I love those. But, but also, yeah. like, if a robot dog was running me down, yeah. I, I mean, what do you even do you, against that thing? You can't oh, tip I'll it tell over. You what you do. I'll tell you what you do is you you run to the beach because they can't run in the sand yet. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. There's so well, many maybe, beaches here in Montana. I can't wait. Yeah. I maybe better build they can. one. There was a Boston Dynamics video going on a tangent here. There was a Boston Dynamics video where the guy was talking about the problems that they still deal with um, and how these, like the robot dogs or the, you know, the backflipping robot 
all that stuff, the yeah, crazy yeah. stuff they're doing, how um, on stable ground or like rocky ground or gravel or pavement or wooden boxes or stairs, they can train it to do all this stuff. But with sand, um, it, it's so unpredictable, like the density of the sand. So oh, when the, ro- right. the robot can't detect like how much weight to put down and how to balance through it. And they they have like those robot dogs. They, sh- they showed a video where the robot dog was like falling over and all this stuff in the sand and how there's a lot of difficulty there that they haven't solved. And anyway, the back to the point that Lex was making that, yes, you know, even, even getting a robot to like pick up a cup, like to pick up my coffee mug and to like do things with it without spilling it or bumping into things seems like the easy problem, but it's actually the hard problem and getting a robot or AI to do art seem turn we thought would be hard and it, seems to have been a lot easier with machine learning and models and all that stuff. The the art stuff freaks me out actually more than anything else. It's just like as someone who is a wannabe vector artist, <laughs> I have spent so much time clicking those little vector handles and like not the, and like honestly, I still enjoy doing that like the old-fashioned way. There's just something about making an illustration and kind of creating stuff, but yeah. It's it's nuts what the mid journey and all those other things can do. I feel like I run into the same problem with those where maybe I'm just bad at prompting and using that tool because whenever I try to make something, I'm like, it just doesn't work. And I try to iterate on the prompt. You know, it's just not. But that being said, I suppose the Campfire Coders logo was like 90% AI generated. So we got one yeah. good thing. I yeah. just added the text because it didn't figure that out at the time. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, we're using it for, Jack used it on the front page of Statomic.com, the deer there. Like uh, the design's all his. And then I think that there's a few art assets here and there. That yeah. I wondered because, AI, right? see, for that though, it's such, although it's a scary tool, like, None of us would have paid, I don't know, maybe you guys would have, but I would have never paid an illustrator to do that for one of my like projects. But now I can just go with a prompt that I'm semi-happy with and get something like that and then use it in the rest of my design. So it's not like, yeah, it's again, just a tool in that. And that's, that's the exciting okay. part. And even if you don't use it, using it to uh, generate ideas, right? Generate, like when you're, I'm thinking if you're, artistically speaking, just needing ideas. You can generate a bunch of stuff and then go off that and then do more. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, it's better about filling out an idea outline if you have more of a structured idea. And this goes for code and art stuff. If you have more of a structured idea, a lot of times it seems like it's better. Because like whenever I use it for idea generation, I get into this loop, like this chat GPT, right? I get into this loop and I'm like, Okay, well, it's not adding value here after like message four. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that happens <laughs> well, to you. Yeah. But. And that's the thing too. Like, so I played with Copilot for in Vim. Um, Tim oh, they Pope have it. A plugin Amazing. For it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, GitHub hired Tim Pope to. So Tim Pope being like the legendary yeah Vim plugin creator. So do you you do, you don't use it anymore though? You tried it. Uh, I tried it for like a month and then something happened where I got the early invite thing and I used it for maybe a month. Um, and then something happened where it broke and mm. I had to, I, up, I have to, I'm sure if I just update everything, I could get it working again, but I just never went back to it. And part of it, honestly, this is where maybe our views are a little different. I'm not sure. 
maybe maybe you can relate to this, but part of it is just I feel old and curmudgeonly. Like I, part of me is super excited about all the AI stuff, but part of me is like, um, I don't really, if I'm honest, I don't really have a lot of interest in like AI prompts taking over my thought process. Like people, okay, there's there's. I don't want to poop on people who want to use it too. Like there's, there's really good use cases. I think of like no, when, this you're code, is... when you're coding and you're like, you, you, you're, you're fighting a little JavaScript problem. You just want to get it done. It's and then, always so that, JavaScript. Yeah. It's always JavaScript. <laughs> or no, um, but, no, I want to interject typical... for one sec, one sec. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because every time I brought up the AI podcast recording episode, Jesse's like, well, I don't know. We, we have different opinions, so I want to hear what those different opinions are. Thank you. Keep well, I never going. said we had we had different opinions. I'm just thinking. I wonder if we do. Yeah. Well, we, right. We kept yeah, saying yeah. let's save it for the podcast. Yeah. Um, we haven't so, talked about this at all. Yeah. So, I think there's really practical reasons to use AI when you're trying to figure something out. Um, if I was learning a new language right now, I think that it would be it could be really helpful. Like I could read the docs, I could watch videos, I could use AI. It's just another tool, right? Yeah. Um, or like you've probably heard, you know, the typical, well, it's not typical, but I, the ever so increasingly typical use case of people using like chat GPT or an AI solution to write email. Let's say you're foreign, uh, you're not, your English is not your first language and you're trying to run a business and answer emails. Like yeah. this is incredible for people. They know enough English to get by, but to make their email sound professional and then to tweak it, that would be a really handy tool, Right. But if if I'm thinking like if you're yeah. asking me honestly like Jesse are you fired up about AI it's like I'm I'm excited about the possibilities I'm excited about the cool things that people are using it for but then I'm also just plain not interested in parts of it like I think for some people it's like the NFT thing like it's like engulfed their mind it's like this right. is the future right. right and for me for me it's like you know I love being able to sit down and just read a book written by a human from 50 years ago, like See, a Tolkien Lord of the Rings. And to think like, you know, what the, you know, authors now, like think of like a Brandon Sanderson or something who knows how he's using AI to write new books. Oh, right. Yeah. And chances are, you know, the human touch, you know, so, okay, you use AI for whatever you need. Right. And then the human touch still like makes it that much more polished in the end. Right. Like there's no way. Yeah. That's how know, it is at least right now. But yeah. will we be able to discern that type of stuff does freak me out a little bit. Like I, I was just going to say, it feels sometimes. It freaks me out so much as it's just not interesting to me. It's like. Yeah, right. Know? Like, I I still very much value traditional art and think it's amazing. I think AI in some ways makes it more amazing. I don't like how they've trained it on some artists, for example. Well, and that, okay, that's the thing. Training it on the artists. So you've seen the movie WALL-E, right? Yeah, yep. You, you know how like everybody in that movie is like, basically dumbed down and they don't they're know riding those chairs they're, around yeah. yeah riding the chairs around the floating and i feel chairs. like yeah i i don't actually believe that's what's going to happen but um ai is only as good as what we put into the model right so when you talk about ai art it's not actually like um it's not really doing anything original it's only remixing what we've done like when you listen to a, a, a music album and it's a remix album right right Mm-hmm. it's somebody's remixing someone else's work. The AI is just taking all these human ideas and mishmashing them together and remixing it. There's nothing really new in there because all the innovative stuff came from humans, right? Yeah. But the AI is just giving you a remix, right? And so 
you know, it makes me think of Wally. It's like, what are, where are we going to be in 20 years when people aren't really flexing their own creative muscles anymore? They're not flexing their brains. And instead they're relying so heavily on AI that we start losing some of our creativeness over time, you know? Right. Well, I, I know it's going to be interesting to see as there a resurgence in like truly handmade things. Yeah. Like elite keeps or, you know, artisan keycaps. <laughs> no, I, but, but on a more serious note, I will say, and I was trying to get this out, but I couldn't articulate it a second ago. And it is if, like there's just still this dirty feeling. I don't know if you feel that with like using the AI sometimes. It's, and it's not like I'm like, oh, you know, write this blog post for me. Like that's, I'm not really, do, I'm not doing that. I don't see the value in that because if I'm going to produce something, I'm going to produce something. Right. But like even using it like this code editor, I'm like, I don't know if it feels like I'm cheating or there's just something almost dirty about it. <laughs> like dirty, maybe the wrong word, but it, it's both exciting, but also like feels like I'm breaking the law or bending the rules using it sometimes. I'm like, no, man, it's no. crazy. Well, I mean, like I have no problem asking someone for help. True. Right? True. Or, you know, you probably have no problem Googling something to get an answer. So to use the AI as a tool. Yeah. I'm to not get, to, to get you there. Right. To get like, to, to like teach you something it's, that could be a really useful thing. Right. I'm not worried about it replacing coders like the big it seems no, like that's yeah. like what people talk about i'm like they're, they're the big you know trendy headlines are like clickbait things i'm not worried about that at all and not it's not even that i don't think that it's going to get better because it will i think our jobs might evolve to where we become more of like encouragers of this thing than you know like as <laughs> It pains me to say this, but as as someone who often builds boilerplate components, it's a whole other topic and question I want to get into with you. It's on my list of questions, but they're like building like a boilerplate or like drop down components and things like that. And like, yes, there's libraries and stuff out there, but being able to get things off the ground faster with AI sounds pretty enticing. Oh, for sure. To anyone. I, yeah, it's just there's certain parts of the AI that are uninteresting. Like it's 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 so hard to articulate as well for me. Yeah. It's just I'm very excited about parts of it, but I'm very like uninterested in other parts. Like for example, the the whole it's a joke, but the whole prompt engineering thing, where instead of coding, you're like just typing into prompts. Like yeah. to me, I don't think anybody's truly interested in that. I think people are excited about pushing the technology further, so they're figuring out how to prompt, how to search. You know, it's like learning how to Google. Right. But yeah. um. I'm not interested in running a prompt for my job. I'm interested in coding, right? Um, but am I am I interested in maybe using prompt as a tool? Well, sure. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I it's think same, yeah. I think that is a temporary thing because I think what's going to happen is patterns will emerge and or it's going to get good enough about deciphering other things. You know, like like I would imagine that cursor, the editor, has its mm-hmm. own. I know it does for like the fix bug button I was talking about, but I'm, I would imagine it has other prompts too, like just baked in to make its responses a certain way. So I think a lot, my point is, I think a lot of that is going to become invisible to the people right. using the tools, the the prompt engineering. You're not even going to need to know. You're just right. going to have that Photoshop button or whatever it is. Oh, sure. Yeah, like in the way they they added the generative fill button in Photoshop, which I'm just, I haven't awesome? really used much myself, but... Um, Jack was showing me at work on a call and just like, yeah, it's super cool. You know, you just 
you need to extend the the, the boundaries of maybe you need like you, you can crop an image, but maybe you need to uncrop it and you need to fill out some of the outside a little bit. Right. You know, it can it can do generative fills and give you multiple results and those sorts of things. And you don't have to go like outside. You don't have to set up a mid journey thing or get an account. Like I think it's just you click the button. You know, it's just super easy. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. So the way the way like you you just said it's being built into the tools in an intuitive way. People, you know. I think they'll see the value in that. But if you feel like you're having to go over to this external tool, like a chat GPT to be able to code, you know, it feels kind of broken and unintuitive and I don't know. It's just, a, we're, we're in early stages, right? So there's a lot of learning to be done and all that. Let me ask you this. Have you heard of Rewind? Yes, never used. Okay. That's another one that um, Jack just blew us away with. He's tell tell me about that because I, I get the idea. I guess it's like an undo for your life, or not? Well, kind of, yeah, that's a wrong way to put it. But yeah, like a I clipboard history in Raycast, right? That's what I think of. But yeah. it, with whole tasks, or yeah, what did Jack yeah. show you? Is that well? To be honest, I'm still secret. trying to wrap my head around it. But it's the kind of thing where like you and I can be on a call like this, and if I was running Rewind on my Mac, right after the call, I could pull up the Rewind prompt. Like I could, re- first of all, I could rewind literally, I think it stores like a low res video or something where you can rewind and, and look back on whatever you're doing through the day. But wow. um, Crazy. it's all local. Apparently it's apparently, I don't know. I don't know how privacy. Um, what's the word? They, like they, they claim that they're privacy focused. So everything is stored locally. They don't send data to their servers. Like it's like a yeah. model that's downloaded to your computer and it's run on your computer, right? Cool. And like there's that. probably, you can probably opt into de- debugging, sending debugging information to them or, or whatnot. I'm not sure what you can opt, opt into, but so you can rewind, you can rewind if you miss something, you're like, Hey, what, what happened in that call with Austin? You know, but even cooler than that is that um, it's, basically making a transcript if you if you're running it it's basically making a transcript of what you and I are saying and afterwards in the prompt you can just say can you give like you can just type out like what what are the bullet points for the call with Austin and it will give you like a five point bullet points of what you talked what? about for an hour with Austin yeah. what dude it's we insane. obviously got to try that on the podcast it feels I, I probably need to clear some hard drive space I'm gonna guess I'm like always running up at that limit yeah, because it, it it opens up all these other questions. I was asking Jack. I'm just like, what? so is there like a performance hit on your computer? You know how how CPU intensive is this? Like it's always running and it's doing all of this uh, AI yeah. constantly. Right, this computer so, might just freeze and <laughs> and I think it's reading. It's it's not only like it. it I, I think it's app agnostic too. So for example, like if you and I are in. Telegram, or if we're if you're if I'm like browsing a web page and I happen to scroll past some text and I'm like you know I could type into the prompt like hey what was the price for that Microsoft product I was looking at buying and it should be able to like look at what you had seen on the screen what and use AI to tell you okay it's pretty insane now I got now I really want to know so I'm anyway back to the the opinion thing like I'm so excited like this is so cool at the same time i've also got this like little curmudgeon on my left shoulder yeah. that's like it feels dirty it. well part of it's just like um who likes being watched all day it's you're basically turning on yeah like, totally turning on the little guy over your shoulder watching you all day right and like you may have nothing to hide but the whole point is that like it's like having siri or alexa always I, listening in the background yeah right? i get it i mean but that's, the, but then 
But then this is on like another level because this is like, no, this tool is meant to let you not just only rewind your day, but be able to search anything that you did on your computer, anything that, that's been on your screen that day. I got to try yeah. it just to see how creepy it is now. Like, and I'm going to yeah. enable it on this computer, which is slower and crappier. It's just so you can see. We're it's gonna, so cool. We're going to report yeah. back on this, folks. It's so, it's so cool and creepy. I'm afraid to run it on my computer just because like, I have nothing to hide, but I'm okay. also just like, I just don't know if I want that level of like surveillance on my day. So, you know? <laughs> well, dude, yeah, I agree with that but also that my, my main concern here because i'm just like i don't necessarily want to have it running forever but i gotta try it for a little while my yeah. main concern is hard drive space <laughs> but that's, i have no idea i have no idea how that works yeah um well no i mean as as much as there i i believe there are kind of immoral use cases of this of whole ai thing and whatnot I'm generally excited about it and I'm getting more excited the more I'm trying stuff out. Like mm-hmm. I have been, I have been messing around with the open AI API for a long time since before the AI hype really blew up. Like when they, it was like GPT two or something. I got, this is one of my started dead projects. I, but it doesn't mean that I'm an expert on this stuff. You know, I kind of, messed around with it and I was like, wow, this is magic. I should mess around with this more. And then like a year or two went by and then the AI hype happened. And I'm like, well, should have messed around with that more maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like I was building an app that like, I have like a work in progress app that the idea was like almost like a, a Raycast or a spotlight launcher style thing, but one that helps you code. And then like, instead of an editor, which the cursor editor has done this in such a better way, right? But I was like, how cool would it be to have this app that you can either chat with it? And basically the big problem becomes giving it context, right? Which is where these vector databases come in. I am a complete noob and idiot when it comes to these things. So I don't, yeah, I don't have much to say there, unfortunately, but the, but, but if it's integrated in Photoshop, the context is already there. Right, if it's integrated in cursor, right. the context of your code base is already well. There. The but how are they giving it context? Right, that's like on right. an engineering level, it likely comes down to vector databases. Usually, usually, I, as far as I understand, right? Because what, what's like, a database? Well, so <laughs> imagine that like this. Uh, this is going to be a for people out there who understand what this is. <laughs> Sorry, but but basically, from what I understand, it's a like way of indexing and categorizing information. So I don't know what that looks like on the storage level, like if it's you know MySQL, but then it has a way to index all the the text. But but it gives these language models a way to have context about things without having to have a prompt that is the source code of every file in your project, for instance. Right now, in some t- some cases, you still paste in like a component or a you know twenty lines of code, but there it, it's just it's like an index that the AI can use, right? That these language models can use, and there's a couple of them like Pinecone is one that's pretty popular. I think there's a couple of these companies that are like funded that I found. I'm like, wow, these are a big deal, right? I'm it's all moving fast, but that's what I ran into with my 
little side project, which is like, you know, I had this little desktop app going and it was talking with chat GPT and it, I was trying to make it not just a chat GPT wrapper. The eventual goal was I should be able to open a project in this. And then it already knows where the source files live. It can access any of them and trying to make it like a coding agent. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it would just like you type in what you want to do to that project roughly. And it goes and tries to find the file and then shows you a diff and you either accept or keep tweaking. Right. And that's effectively how cursor works. And then it has all this other contextual stuff, like being able to scan the docs and all that, which I think just puts it into a vector database, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm a total noob at like what it's fascinating to think about how these things are implemented on an engineering level though. Yeah. Well, and there's so many ways to, um, there's so many ways to approach this too, to integrate it, right? So you're talking about integrating it into a code base. <clears throat> yeah. Um, do, you, do you know Jamin Holmgren? I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Uh, he's like a React Native guy with Infinite Red on uh, Twitter no. X. So he's, um, yeah, I think he's a fairly, he's a bigger name in the React Native world. He's okay. been kind of interested in AI and posting videos and different things. And he has an interesting video, maybe we can link in the show notes as well, where he talks about... Um, he gives an example where he like refactors a whole um, test suite from, I forget what it is, like Jest to something else. Playwright or something. Um, and he uses AI to do it. And his point is not that like, of course you can do that manually, but his point is what if you have like a, a test suite with like 150 files or 250 files? Right, that's, that's just like, tedious, that's sucky suck. work. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're moving to a different testing framework with different, maybe a different assertion library and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, there's only so many assertions to deal with. There's only so many differences in the framework. So what he ends up doing is, uh, I'm not sure if he was using some sort of like AI plugin or framework to do this, um, but he's using like, it's GPT based under the hood. And he's basically prompt, quote, my air quoting here, prompt engineering using JSON. So he's typing the prompts into a JSON file so that they can be rerun and rerun and rerun easily. Okay. And he basically gives it some prompt. He runs it on a specific folder, and it refactors as much, and then he and he it does the refactor as far as it can go. Then he he basically sits in like Git Tower or GitHub Desktop or whatever, and reviews it as if he's reviewing a PR. Right. And when he sees when he sees something that's wrong, he goes back into his JSON file, tweaks or adds a prompt, re, starts fresh, reruns the whole thing again. Oh, but he, he like ba- tax on another step. So he's making his yeah. own eight. Yeah. Brilliant. So, and he, and he does, he basically refactors a whole test suite in like five minutes in a YouTube video. And he does, he basically does it just by, you know, he blows away the changes. He tweaks the prompt and he reruns it again. But because the prompts are just being stored in this JSON file, now he basically has a, yeah. a prompt. I guess you could call it like a model, like a prompt model that now he could give to someone and say, okay, using GPT version four, I don't know what the versions are. Yeah. You can use this to refactor from Jest to this other suite, and it should get you like ninety nine percent of that way there. PR it, review it, you're done. You know. See this, yeah. This is kind of inspiring. Maybe I'll have to. Like, I think there's still a lot of value in this sector to be had. Like, and I'm talking about value as in like these are things that I want. <laughs> and so, I mean, curse is cool. Curse is useful. You could probably do something pretty similar there, but the idea of of visually or almost having like an, a little desktop app to do some of this prompt engineering, if you will call it that, you know, mm-hmm. as much as we were like, or I was saying, well, I think that's going to go away. 
in playing with these things. Like for example, the, the app I was working on had, had the idea of instructions, right? And, and like it, the app has its own defaults. Like, oh, you're, you know, I set it as like, oh, you're developing this desktop app. You're an expert at all this or whatever. And then like, I was working on that like earlier this year, like Fe- February probably. I had kind of really hacked on this stuff in the in the dead of winter. <laughs> and it was all cold outside. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll start a new project. And it was, I was having fun with it. And then I don't know when they when this was, but the OpenAI folks came out with instructions for Chat GPT. And I'm like, this is what I was doing in the desktop app. And not not to say that, oh, this was, you know, they they beat me to market with this. So that, that's not what I'm saying. The point is, I think there's more exciting stuff to be explored there. And and yeah. you just, you know, this this dude you're talking about has it in a JSON file. But like, what if you could almost, you know, build your own little agent visually like that? Mm-hmm. And and it just showed you the diffs in line and you could add a step here and there. Yeah. It's it's almost like a, a pipeline in Laravel or something, you know, like Yeah. Each yeah. well, that's the thing. The, the models will will improve over time, but I think the exciting part is seeing how people integrate it with their workflows, with their yeah. apps, you know. So yeah, like what yeah. if what if there was an app that you could just almost like record these steps and then when you were happy with them, there was like a little marketplace and people could just like, oh. This is my, you know, little automation here or whatever. Yeah. Kind of happy cool. little codes dot whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't need to start a new project. I don't know. I don't need. I did start a new project last week. We can't talk <laughs> about that today, though, because it will go on for too long. But it's it's not using AI. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's talking about AI. It's inevitable that we had to talk about it at some point. So. I don't think this will be the last time I'll say that. Yeah. There's... I mean, like, I think there's such interesting problems in how people are using it, but also how we're giving context to the AI. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there that I don't even mm-hmm. understand. But, um, like, for example, this is an idea that I had, okay? And not, I'm not saying, like, oh, this is an idea I want to implement. And, and people have done similar things. But imagine, imagine if one of the, I was talking about that docs feature that Cursor has, right, where you can train it on other docs. What if you were to say, buy Adam Wathen's amazing ebook, Refactoring to Collections, and then it just knows that whole book, and you're like, oh, use this, you know, in the way of this book. And you could at mention that whole chunk of docs, and it's like, oh, I know what you mean. Here's a perfect collection pipeline for this crazy thing that you want to do. Yeah. Well, and that's like, that's the going back to the rewind.ai thing. Like, imagine you're reading. I, again, you're talking about giving context to the thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine you're literally reading Adam Wathen's book on your computer with Rewind installed, and then you could prompt Rewind about something in the book, and it would work, right? But then if you're, but then back to the curmudgeon lifestyle, yeah. you got yeah. campfire coders. Um, sometimes it's nice to just open a paper, a paper-based um, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring book around the campfire on the couch, in bed, just reading paper. You know, there's no yeah. like AI reading what you're reading. You're just enjoying physical paper around a physical campfire and you're not being like watched by the robot overlords. Yep. And I'm, so there's all this benefit during your workday, but also like, I don't know, I just also value being able to just turn it off sometimes, you know? Yeah. No, I get it, man. The whole, yeah. 
there's some blurred lines here with privacy. And like I said, that's the part of it that sometimes feels dirty in a way. You're like, oh, am I relying on this Should too be, much? Yeah. But then you're even like, with co-pi- I- even with Copilot, didn't they get in trouble for? Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's using a whole controversy people's stuff. There. So in Microsoft, let me did ask Microsoft you, just say like all just Microsoft just offered to pay? Oh yeah, I think like so. Fines right? and stuff or something. Yeah, because people were mad that they trained it on their open source project or whatever. I have no idea. Or yeah. maybe it was cl- a, a, the wrong license. I think it didn't take that into account, maybe. But anyway, we're, we're along for the ride. We're on the roller coaster, and it's going to be exciting to watch over the next so many years, uh, for sure. Okay. Uh, let me ask you one a last question or two. Do you think that we are going to fall behind if we don't use it? It's a loaded question, maybe, but... Uh. Like you mean personally, like you and me? Yeah. Do you like? Do you get that feeling where you're like, oh man, maybe I should install Copilot again? Maybe this conversation inspires you to do that. Um, I am. I am inspired to try the AI tools all the time, but I'm just slow to do it because I'm partly lazy. <laughs> well, that, that's nothing wrong with that either. You know, it's like I don't think that it's making a totally significant difference uh, for me. It's a more about like learning how to learn how to use these things. Yeah. I to answer your question, I don't think that I'm going to fall behind if I don't keep up with the AI world, for example. That's the right I, I answer. That's the case. Yeah. That's the right answer. You'll um you'll I keep think up if, when if, you need to, right? There's no yeah. I don't know. I don't Well, on the topic I do of it because keeping I'm interested up, in it. I'm on the topic of keeping up. Like I feel like I I know enough about front end and tailwind and CSS and now I find myself working on a site and I'm like I used to do this and I forget how to do it. But the thing is you just read some docs and you watch some videos and you play and you experiment and you figure it out, you know? Yeah. And or you use AI to help you do it, you know? Yeah, I mean I'm not opposed to either. Not opposed yeah. to either. Uh I think like I said, I'm not using it to because I feel like I'm getting left behind. I'm using it because I'm interested in how it all works and I think it's just fascinating. Uh, what's possible with it? Like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take you long on Twitter to go find someone who's like, "Well, I built this thing and I talked to it and it writes code and makes an iOS game or whatever." Like, people are doing crazy stuff. I'm not one of those yeah. people. <laughs> I'm just dabbling here. Yeah, same here. It's just it's fun to watch what the world's doing with it, but I haven't been too keeping up with it too much. So, all right. Well, at the risk of being reprimanded for going too long by all of our listeners. I think that's I think that's a wrap unless you have other burning AI no, think, questions. No, I think this is a good one. The, it won't be the last. I'm just going to bring it up and be like, here's this latest weird thing that I did in AI today. Yeah, do it. Like when it works, it's just so cool. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Particularly with code, 100%. I mean. But all right, folks. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, take care.